lobby, please feel free to come in here and take a seat. I just want to ask you some questions. Some people have questions. How many people here have had a week that's been just a little, I mean, not awful, it's not just been no crisis or anything like that, but you felt a little behind the ball all week and you haven't quite been able to catch up? Okay, I'm definitely in that place today. And I had to remember this morning, as I was getting my guitar ready and everything like that, that to come to worship to God, the best way is just to lay those things down and to leave them at the door. It doesn't mean they go away. It just means we're coming to worship God today. So if you could stand with me, we are going to do said act. Giving it all away, away. Giving it all to go away. Come on, let's have some hand clapping. Giving it all away, away. Giving it all to go away. Let's do that one more time. Giving it all away. Giving it all to go your way. In the Father, there is freedom. There is hope in the name that is Jesus. Lay the light down, give it all now. We are found in the love of the Savior. We've come alive in you. Set free to show the truth. Our lives will never be. Giving it all away, away. Giving it all to go away. Away we're singing. We are called out to your calling. Everything that we are for your glory. Take our hearts now, have it all now. Let thy light shine the light like the morning. We've come alive in you. Set free to show the truth. Our lives will never be the same. Giving it all away, away. Giving it all to go away. We're giving. Giving it all away, away. Giving it all to go away. Away we're singing. You've torn back the curtains from our eyes. Now we can see you. You've shown us the way, the truth, and your life. We offer our lives to bring you praise. Caught in freedom. Caught in freedom. Giving it all away. away. Giving it all to go away. Yes, we are. Giving it all. today. Give it all to Jesus. Now, today, as we do nearly every week at One Life, we are going to have prayer team ready to pray with you. 
on my left-hand side. We're also going to have communion. Now, most of you here, I'm looking out at the faces, probably pretty well know what communion represents. The body is the bread, the blood is the juice, the wine. But it's great to get a reminder, isn't it? It's a pretty awesome sacrifice that God, Jesus, made for us. And we come today, again, sorry, I'm going to say it once again, leaving our baggage, giving it to God, and accepting that sacrifice that he made. So if you want to participate, it's an open table. Um, and as I say, the prayer team are here to pray about anything that you need prayer for. So we're going to continue in worship, um, and you can just partake as the in the next four songs. Oh, sir. 
God's grace Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. Let's sing that again. My hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. In Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil.
welcome with trumpet sounds. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. For thus I stand before the more 
if you could all stand with me. This might need the help of your hands, helping us to clap. Might, if you, if you feel that way. And it's called Only King Forever. That's right, I'm already getting ready for the Tough Mudder next year. So, 
Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a joy to be with you this morning. Uh, if you uh, can look inside your bulletin, you will find something that we call a connection card. And this uh, connection card is designed to help us interact with each other. So whether it's a prayer request or next step decision, questions about anything that happens during the sermon or the, the service, any of the announcements we give, any volunteer stuff, anything you wanted to communicate to us, the connection card is one of the best ways to do that. Um, and if it is your first time here and you fill that out, we will uh, donate $5 to Living Water International on your behalf. And so if uh, you could take a minute sometime during the service to fill that out, and then at the end of the service, there are some wood boxes in the back that those uh, can go in. Um, also in your bulletin, there are a couple of announcements that I want to highlight. The first one is our fall retreat, our all-church fall retreat. It's coming up um, on November 14th through the 16th, and there's going to be sign-ups available in the commons uh, today. So when you go downstairs after the service, there's going to be a little table with a laptop on it. You'll be able to sign up on the laptop uh, and get that taken care of. This is going to be an amazing time of worship, prayer, fellowship, community and fun for the whole family all ages but it's also just a good chance to kind of get away from the pace and sometimes the craziness of life in the city or wherever you're at sometimes it's nice to just get away and have a break from that and so uh, the retreat provides all those things the theme is going to be uh, tied right into our rhythm uh, and rhythm sermon series we're going to be looking at uh, the practices of listening and testimony, and, I, and, and the staff, we've been talking about this, and the elders are going to be talking about this. We have some cool, cool ways that we're going to be exploring both of those. So please, please, uh, if, if it's at all available to you, sign up for that retreat. We'd like to get everybody there. Uh, next up is our Kids Life Friday Night Blast, and this is the Kids Life Camp-In. This is going to be October 17th from 6 to 8 for kids 3 years through 5th grade. Listen to this. Hot dogs, treats, and tons of indoor camping fun. What more could you ask for? Really, that's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, there's a suggested donation of $5 uh, to help cover the cost of that. Please RSVP to Kids Life Director Jen Sclafani by October 15th to attend. Uh, next up, if you need help uh, helping your kids with math, uh, if you're a parent of an elementary student in the Seattle School District, you're invited to join the One Life Tutoring Training on helping your elementary student with math homework on Thursday, October 9th, downstairs in the Commons. The night's going to start with a potluck at 6.30. Then Marlene Boone, the Seattle School District math specialist, is going to present from 7 to 8 on how you can help your kids understand uh, and, and thrive in this new math curriculum. So uh, if, if you have any uh, desire to, to be part of that, please, please show up for that. Um, next, uh, the book fair. We have a scholastic book fair for the One Life Tutoring uh, Ministry. It's coming on Sunday, October 19th in the lower fireside room that's downstairs. And you can purchase books for your family and friends. And 40% of the sales are going to go towards books for students in the tutoring program. So there's, uh, in your bulletin, there's also a link. You can go online and uh, check that out, and you can make online orders there. If you're interested in helping out with the book fair, you can contact Lauren Hirschap, and I think she's here, maybe outside in the foyer. Uh, so you can find her, and uh, or you can write it in on that connection card. Um, so that's all the announcements I have from up here. Check your bulletin for more. Now it's time to dismiss the kids for Kids Life. Uh, and for everyone else who's staying up here, when you hear the band back up, you'll know it's time to get things started. Thank you.
Okay, we're good. There we go. Well, good morning, and welcome to One Life Community Church. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm Brian. I'm the worship director here. Um, and I'm out of jokes about how I'm way more comfortable with a guitar in front of me. And uh, this may not be as big of an irony uh, as you might think, considering the topic that we're talking about this morning, which is worship. We kind of planned it that way. Um, so before we begin, uh, we say it a lot, and we say it every week, and I want to make sure you hear it right now, um, again, that it is a, a joy, a delight to be with you um, every week and to explore and wrestle with what it means to do this thing that we call walking with Jesus. So we are, we are well into the depths of our series called Rhythms, which is really this exploration of the different things that we do, the different elements uh, that we participate in and frameworks that we have in order to help us walk in the ways of Jesus, uh, to be the people of God. We've talked about serving, blessing, learning, and hospitality. And like I said, it's not as big of an irony as it may seem that what we're talking about today that you hear from the worship director is worship. We're talking about worship. Um, and in a lot of ways, this is sort of a revisiting of our exploration during the last Advent season. Uh, we did this a series around then. One of the topics that uh, during December was this topic of worship fully. Um, and so my hope is that as we do this, as we explore more of what worship is and what it means for us as we go through our day to day, or as one, one of my professors put it, we'll ask the undergraduate question of who cares. Uh, my my hope is that we'll be reminded as we do this uh, to ask ourselves who or what it is that we actually worship. Uh, and like we've said through this whole series, these, these sermons aren't meant to make you feel guilty or like you need to be doing more. They're simply uh, characteristics and patterns, uh, different, different elements that we contribute uh, to uh, who we are as the communal body of Christ. And so worship. It's the central act of the people of God. We exist to bring God glory. During the sermon on worship from, uh, from Advent last year, we kept coming back to this mantra, this saying, this phrase, worship is life, and life is worship. 
Worship is life, and life is worship. Worship is our defining characteristic, something that flows out of us, living into who we're created to be as both individual people and as the communal body of God that is the church. And in many ways, we're going to kind of hang on that phrase, that saying again, that worship is life, and life is worship. And we're hanging on it, we're bringing it back, and repeating it, because that repetition is important. It helps us remember, it helps us build patterns and habits and ways of thinking and being that grow out of being immersed in the practices and sayings and songs and rituals of the church. This has been the predominant way that like, the church global has done what it does throughout history. Teaching and practicing both in intellectual and physical, tangible ways of immersing ourselves in the person of Jesus in God's redemptive story in the world. We run into this interesting conversation that happens when we say that all of life is worship. Uh, because every week we make sure we say the phrase, like say throughout our church services we say the phrase, as we continue in worship. Or some variant of that. Um, and we do it during the church service, the organized gathering that we do every week, uh, the religious act. And it's kind of strange in, in, in light of a, in a conversation with the idea that life is worship. Uh, one week somebody asked me about this very thing. He came up to me after the service and said, so, you know, I was thinking about this, and we say as we continue in worship during church, but worship is supposed to be every day in our lives. And basically he's like, what's up with that? Like, what do we do with that? Um, and so it's, it's a good question and, and one that I don't really have a clear-cut answer for. But it's been sort of this underlying thought that I've sat with since, since then. And I bring it up because when we laid out our preaching schedule uh, and this topic came up, this question came right back up into the forefront of my mind. What does it mean if our church service is worship and yet our lives are acts of worship? Like, how do the two intersect and have a conversation? Because, like, our lives through the day-to-day don't, don't look, usually look like singing the songs that we sing here, or hearing sermons preached, and uh, so on and so forth, at least on a day-to-day basis. It may for somebody, I don't know. Um, and our, our church, like, our, our worship is very different. Or, well, yeah, see, there's the, combat, there's the difficulty right there. Um, our, our church, the like religious act that we do here is very different from our usual days of going to work or going to school or shotgunning whole seasons of TV shows on Netflix or looking at Facebook and so on and so forth. Like they're two very, very different realms, but they're both worship. Like the church is wor- like the, the church religious act is worship and our lives are worship. Uh, and they inform each other. And so it all starts with this idea of story, of narrative, of, of the ways that we understand who we are in relation to our own selves and each other. We are storied beings. We are made of memories, both good and bad, that our minds and our bodies bear. Who we are today, whether we can even name that or not, is the culmination of all of our experiences and our relationships. We are creatures that are made of stories. And when we call ourselves Christian, when we're part of the church local and the church global, we're part of a larger story that runs throughout the scriptures. And sometimes that story may have been told poorly. And other times it's been told much, much better. The story of the Bible is a story of Jesus. It's a story of goodness and of love and of the passionate pursuit of a wayward people who are trying to find their way home to a God who is with them every step of the way. And so what we do when we worship in church is we try to integrate the two, our stories and God's story. And when we worship, when we... Un- when we worship, we understand our story in the context of God's story. Eugene Peterson says it this way. He says, when we submit our lives to what we read in Scripture, and I'd argue to the ways in which we bodily and physically step into the story as well, uh, 
When we submit our lives to what we read in Scripture, we find that we're not being led to see God in our stories, but our stories in God's. God is the larger context and the plot in which our stories find ourselves. Find themselves. Hmm. Um, It's not that Peterson is saying that we can't find God in our lives. God is active and moving everywhere in this world. But what Peterson is asking, and what I'm suggesting is behind worship in our day-to-day lives, is to ask the question, how and where and when am I finding myself and my story within the larger story of God's redemptive work in the world. This is the story. This is the arc of the scriptures. God is in the business of redemption and restoration and making all things new. And those words, redemption, restoration, and uh, making all things new, some variant of them make it into our one life liturgy every week. Uh, We usually say it in some form or another when we introduce uh, communion and prayer. Um, and we do this because hearing them every week helps, helps us remember that part of the story and begin to look for it when we walk out those doors. And that's a big part of what we do every week. We talk about worship in our everyday lives, but we need some sense of grounding and some way of locating ourselves. And when that's done well, that's what the church has been about. That's what the people of God have always been about. Liturgy, the cultic acts, the Sunday morning religiosity of worship is the narration of the story of God, telling the story of what God is doing in the world. It's a way of practicing what it means to locate our stories within God's story. So when we're not in this space, we can do the same thing. It's a way of training ourselves to hear God's story in the world around us. Everything we do here is worship. When we look for God's presence in the world, and we begin to locate our stories within God's story and join in that story, then what we do is worship. And our church worship here is the telling of that story. It's the practicing of locating ourselves within that story so that when we go out, we have new eyes to see our world. It's a way of orienting ourselves. And so far at this point, we really haven't looked a ton at what the Bible talks about as worship. Um, it's been intentionally ambiguous because part of what we want to do is to like inspire you to walk out and, and look around and think, okay, how do I join in? We'll come back to that. Um, but we haven't looked too much about uh, what the Bible talks about in regards to worship. But this idea of the church worship, of the official religious acts as storytelling and story embodying is all throughout the scriptures and the tradition of the church. The Old Testament rules for worship in the tabernacle and then later on the temple help the Jewish people actually practice the retelling of the story of God taking them out of Egypt, giving them the commandments, and making all things in their world new. The early church liturgies, the early church worship um, from like the people who actually walked with Jesus and then formed the church shortly after that, that are found in uh, this book called the Didache, which is like the one of the earliest uh, Christian documents outside of the Bible, and it's super important, like, to the point where they almost considered putting it in the Bible. Like, it's that big of a deal. Um, The liturgies found in the Didache narrate the arc of the Scripture. They tell the story of God breaking into this world in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, And many of us have some backgrounds in, in forms of, like, higher church. So there's, like, high church and low church, and low church is is more along the lines of uh, um, churches without like prayer books and things like that and and churches that follow like a a set liturgy are considered higher churches. That's just the language that we use for it. But the liturgies used by the Lutheran church or the Anglican church or the Catholic church or the Eastern Orthodox church, these all tell the story of God's work in the world in the person of Jesus Christ. And our worship here, our singing, our praying together, our taking communion, the daily life of the church community that's seen in our announcements, and so forth. Like, all of these things are about telling the story of God's redemptive, restorative, healing work in our world. It orients us towards the story of God. 
It locates us within the story of God so that when we step out the doors of the church and back into the day-to-day, we have new eyes to see where God is working and moving. Uh, Which is something that reminds me of this scene in the book of Acts. Acts 17 tells of one of Paul's interactions with the people of Athens. And it's often considered by, like, Paul Paul nerds and Paul scholars uh, to be one of the highlights of his life and one of the finest moments in his sort of missionary career. Uh, So let's read that. The text will be on the screen behind me, or if you have your Bible or the Logos app, it's uh, Acts 17, verses 16 to 34. And it says this. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some say, what does this babbler want to say? Others say, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This is because he's telling them the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said to him, uh, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we'd, rather, we'd like to know what it means. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought to not, not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image found, formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he's fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Big text. There's a lot there. And we could spend days and series and weeks and sermons unpacking just this, however many verses that was. Um, but instead, I want, to, I want to just bring out a few brief points from it. Paul walks into Athens. This is like a big central city. Uh, and up to the uh, Areopagus, and they took him up to the Areopagus, which is like this, this yeah, big place where everybody would sit around and talk philosophy and religion. And uh, out to this, this little rock called Mars Hill, which acts... I guess, like, the tradition makes it seem like it's a lot bigger than it is, but it, apparently if you go see it, it's kind of unassuming and just a tiny little rock. But that's where they would stand and talk about things. Uh, and he goes to this spot, and he addresses the philosophers and the teachers, and he narrates the story of God's work in the world and the person of Jesus to them. But he doesn't just leave them with trying to convince them that he's right. He doesn't try and, like, convert them to his way of thinking. What he does is he says, look around you. You know something's going on. You can see goodness and healing and restoration fighting back against evil and destruction. You've even tried to capture the something that is behind that in the only way you know how. Idols. But it's God. God is moving and working and calling you back. Paul uses this word metanoia, I guess translated as repent, uh, to talk about this shift back towards God. Uh, And in this case, it's a reorienting of the whole person towards God. Paul's calling them to open their eyes and recognize what God is doing and join in. That is worship. It's life lived within the story of God. There's a second text I'd like to look at really quickly, and it's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, it'll be on the screen again. And it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, 
which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And again, even in these two verses, there's so much that we'll just kind of scrape the surface of it by looking at a couple words. Um, when Paul says to be transformed, he uses this word metamorpho, which means transforming. Um, it literally means changing forms. Uh, but it's in the context of the body that this metamorpho transformation has its impact. Paul uses this word soma that we translate as body, and we tend to, we kind of tend to over-intellectualize and over-spiritualize this verse. Uh, and I think it's partly because we don't trust our physicalness. But that's precisely what Paul is calling us to. Soma means the very real, tangible, physical, fleshy self that's here in this room right now. Uh, with all its creaks and its weaknesses and folds and surprising strength and glory and beauty. Worship, our spiritual worship, is how we move embodied in this world now. Worship is how we participate in what God is doing. It's how we find ourselves in God's story. Now, even as I was writing this, the sermon, uh, I, I found myself running into all sorts of resistance uh, around this idea of like locating our stories within God's story, precisely because that asks the question of like, uh, it, it leaves room for the question of like, what, is, what if my story's wrong? Is this idea of locating our stories within God's story asking us to change who we are, to become some sort of like mindless, homogenous collective of people that all look the same? And to answer that, to respond to that, let's talk about music. It's a pretty abrupt <laughs> transition there. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about music. Uh, and we're talking about singing in a couple weeks, and so there's all sorts of things coming down the pipeline about that, that element of it that'll be fun and musical and whatnot. Uh, but for now, let's talk about improvisation and playing in an ensemble. So there's this guy named Jeremy, Jeremy wow, Jeremy Begbie, this is hard to say. Um, he's a theologian who's done a ton of work around integrating music and theology, and he talks about the Christian life, the life of worship, as playing music. And of course, it all starts with the Trinity, of course, right? Um, probably one of the most profound and influential theological thoughts that I've encountered in a long time is the work of this dude named Hans Urza von Balthasar, which is a pretty rad name. Uh, <laughs> he is a Catholic theologian who just got bored with the theology that was coming out of the church during the 20th century. Uh, so he said, what we're talking about is the creator of all things in the universe, and your theology is boring. Come on. Uh, so he came up with this idea called theological dramatics, and basically it's a way of looking at God's story, past, present, and future, in the context of this grand dramatic arc. And so what does this have to do with music? We're getting there. Central to Balthazar's thought is the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm just going to give you like a big uh, theological blah. Um, hopefully it makes sense. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit give freely to each other, pouring radical self-giving love into each other. And because Jesus is fully human, so it's like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is here giving love to everybody else, and Jesus is human as well. So it blasts all that love out all over creation. Everybody remember the movie Independence Day? Yeah? Okay. So, you know when the alien ship goes over the building and it sits there and they finally count down to zero and it like blows up the one building and the whole fireball goes outward? That's the image that I kind of envisioned about this. <laughs> um, I lost my play. <laughs> okay, so that, that love that blasts out into humanity is, is uh, inviting us, inviting human beings into this sort of priestly role. And it's priestly not because people can't or don't need to participate. The idea is that the priestly role in like the religious context is, is to do things on behalf of the people. Uh, and this isn't a complete argument, and we can go down all these rabbit trails, uh, but it's a broad, long-lasting, deeply rooted conversation within the church global for centuries. 
the idea of the priestly role and doing things on behalf of the people. But for the sake of this conversation, we take on this priestly role as the people for the sake of those who can't. We bear faith for others who can't or aren't able to. We join God on behalf of creation to live in the kingdom of God in this world. Okay. Back to music. Last week, Martha did this exercise with rhythm and clapping and singing in parts. Uh, And she did this in part to demonstrate how it is when we each bring our unique distinctiveness to a community, a collective, an ensemble. Uh, And this guy, Begbie, that I mentioned a few minutes ago, talks about the Christian life in terms of improvisation and playing within the ensemble. Uh, See, improv within music isn't random. Like, it's not completely making it up with no regard for what's going on in the rest of the song. There are rules and parameters within which you can improvise. And even when there aren't rules, uh, there are rules about how you can not break the rules that aren't there. It's not just a free-for-all. It's a very skilled, nuanced, intentional way of playing music. So, for example, on Sundays when we have Chad playing electric guitar or when Udai was here and he'd like rip and shred on those solos... It's all happening within the rules and the guidelines and the context that are set up by the song and by the band. And it's like 99% the same thing with everybody that's up there on Sundays. We have our basic song and our parts to play. And sometimes we need something specific. But often people are invited to bring who they are and what they do to the song. The song works because there are parameters within which to play and be free. We'll agree... We agree on how it'll go usually, most of the time, and what key it's in, if I get it right, uh, and go from there. Um, And this is a perfect example of what Begbie's talking about with improv and music in terms of theology and God and worship. The Trinity, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they lay down the foundation. They are the rhythm section. They play the chords and lay down the key and the groove and the song structure and the melody. And then they invite us to play And we get to play similar instruments. After all, Jesus was a human being. And we bear the image of God ourselves. We're capable of playing many of the same instruments, but we don't lead the song. What we do is we improvise. We play within the structures of the song, but we do so in our ways. We create our part in it, but it's the song that God has laid down. Sometimes we get our improv and sometimes we miss. Like sometimes we do it well and sometimes we don't. But we're always invited to play. And it's worship. It's a way of understanding how our lives are worship. Worship is the response to the invitation to join in with the Trinity and to play. And to dance with them in our own way. And also to remember that it's really God's song. Rob Bell has this, this masterful quote from one of his NUMA series that talks about this idea of worship in our day-to-day lives. And I wish I could just show you the clip, but it's like in the middle of the video, and that would have been such a pain to coordinate. So I'll just read it to you. He uh, goes like this. He says, When I think of God, I hear a song. And it's a song that moves me. It has a melody, and it has a groove. It has a certain rhythm. And people will hear this song for thousands and thousands people have heard this song for thousands and thousands of years across continents and across cultures and time periods. People have heard the song and have found it captivating, and they've wanted to hear more. There have always been people who say there is no song and who deny the music, but the song keeps playing. And so Jesus came to show us how to live in tune with the song, like he's the way and the truth and the life. He came to show us reality at its most raw. He came to show us how things are. Jesus is like God taking on flesh and blood, and so in his generosity and his compassion, that's what God is like. In his telling of the truth, that's what God is like. In his love and forgiveness and sacrifice, that's what God is like. That's who God is. That's how the song goes. And the song is playing all around us all the time. The song is everywhere. It's written on our hearts, and everybody is playing the song. The question isn't whether you're playing the song. The question is, are you in tune? Are we in tune? Are we responding to the invitation 
to play with God in this world to bring about goodness and healing and restoration and justice. When we play the song, when we're in tune with God's song, when we tell our stories and find them in the context of God's story, when we do our weekly practices of locating ourselves within God's story, and when we use that weekly practice to then walk out the door remembering that God is in this world, working to make all things right, to bring creation back to God, seeing with renewed eyes, hearing the song, and joining in in our own ways as ourselves right now. That is worship. Uh, You have connection cards in your bulletins. If you could take those out, I have a few questions for us to wrestle with and play with and kind of spur the conversation onward. Uh, And the worship team can come back up while we do this. Uh, I intentionally left these fairly vague open because I don't, I specifically don't want to give you guided like answers for this. This is something that we need to wrestle with as a community. I want to hear that something that hopefully causes us to think and engage and figure out for ourselves how we move in this world. And so the questions. First, am I in tune? Are we in tune? Are we responding to God's invitation to join and play? Second, What's the relationship between God's story and my story? What's the, what's the context? What's the conversation going on? Uh, and third, where does the conversation go from here? What does it look like for us to personally live our lives as an act of worship, joining in the song, participating in God's work in the world, in our particular, specific context? Uh, take the time you need to do this, and we'll sing a song in a minute. Um, but for now, let's pray. good, gracious, near, loving God. Help us to hear your song. Help us to play well with you. May we hear the invitation to come to you as ourselves. And may we play well. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.